0: Well, if we can make our way back to our seats, that would be good. Um, Hopefully, you've met somebody new or have reconnected with people that you knew came to our church, but uh, goes to another service besides you. I I love seeing new faces. I love seeing faces that uh, we have not seen for a while, and uh, it's always good to see the same faces that we get to see every week. There's a lot of stuff going on today, and so I would just ask for your patience as we um, have a lot of different things that we are going to be involved in, and, and so uh, today will be more than just a little bit of a one-hour service, but that's okay. We're all together. This doesn't happen very often, a couple times a, a year, and and it's good to... It's good to do this, to remind us that we are one body, even though we actually have three different services. We are one, four different services, actually, with Cowboy Church. Uh, but uh, we are one body, and, and uh, the day that we do uh, affirm the budget and the uh, ballot, it's always nice to have this be one of those times that we get together and are reminded that um, that chair that you normally sit in, Somebody else normally sits in there too on another service. And so, uh, and it's okay to share and, and to to be, um, open and, and, um, and generous and, uh, and all of that. Uh, a couple of things before we actually get into the sermon today. Um, there, were, there was one announcement that I had made last week. We did not get into the, uh, into the, the uh, cycle, and, and that is the apologetics course. Apologetics meaning uh, you learn how to defend your faith. There's so much antagonism towards the Christian faith out there, and, and people uh, wonder about creationism, and they, they wonder about the resurrection, and, and there are answers. There really are answers. It's not like the church is reeling, going, oh, my my goodness, we had never thought about those things before. Um, and, and there has been for hundreds and hundreds of years, this idea of defending one's faith, it's called apologetics. It does not mean that you're sorry for your faith. It, it just means apologetics is the, the art, the science of being able to defend your faith. And so uh, starting next week at 930 during our Sunday school hour, we're going to be uh, offering an, uh, the course again in, in apologetics. And if you would like to learn how to defend your Christianity, Uh, then it would be good for you to be a part of that. Um, If you come to the 830 service, then right after the service, you'll go over and and you'll uh, uh, go all the way down the... uh to the counseling office, which is all the way down to the end of the hall on on the right-hand side. If you uh, come normally to the 1030 service, just come an hour early. Uh, you'll have some good fellowship. You'll have some great knowledge. Um, we, we've got some great information for you, and uh, it would be wonderful to have you uh, take that course. The second of all is uh, last week we had 17, and then um, uh, yesterday uh, there was a couple more um, people who had come together uh, to learn about what it means to be a member of Palague Christian Church and uh, some of these people have been coming for a long long time uh, some of them have been uh, recently baptized um yeah and uh and we got together, and these people have all gone through what it means to be a member of the church. And since there are so many, I didn't necessarily want to you know, get and introduce these people, and introduce these people, and introduce these people, and introduce these people. So, if you took the course and are ready to say that you want to be a member of Palby Christian Church, stand up. If you were a part of that group last week, um, look at these people. This this is awesome. All right, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. <laughs> all right, now, I, I know some, some of the people who took the class, they're not standing, and that's fine. Uh, those, though, who have taken the class and uh, want to be a member of, of Pau Christian Church, uh, I just wanted to, to introduce all of these people to you. Um, uh, we have Richard and Marilyn Linscheid, uh, right there. We have Pam Legump. Pam is back there. Uh, uh, Jerry and Janice Powell over there. We got Tad Marshall back here. Uh, Gary and Mary Harold. Um Chris Noakes over here. Uh let's see. We have John and Phyllis Curtis there. Uh you have uh, DJ Young right there. you Got Bob and Kathy Ross right there. We have Carol uh, Reinhardt uh, right there. Um and then uh, I guess uh, so we have Don and sure sure Shirley Harmon. Uh, I didn't have you guys on there, but that's wonderful to have you here as well. And uh, then actually I see um, uh, Amy, are you placing membership too today? Oh, are you sitting? Oh, you are sitting. It's just you're sitting so high, it looked like you were standing. I was going, wow, Amy, Hannah is going to be a a member. And then uh, a few months ago, we had Dave uh, and Joy Breed Love uh, also take the course, and that was actually a few months ago. And so these people have all said that they want to be a part of our fellowship. Now, they've all been a part of our fellowship for quite some time. And so we wanted to welcome them and, and to uh, pray over them and to say, welcome to our family. So let me pray, and then we were going to give these guys— uh, By the way, it's Fred and Teresa Netter here. I didn't see them standing up. Okay. All righty, so uh, let, let me pray for these people, and then we will uh, just w- give them a warm, uh, friendly uh, welcome to our congregation. God, I thank you so much for the way that you organize your church and you bring people into it as 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 part of the church, as being a member of the church, that, that brings so many good things to a church to, to strengthen it and to encourage it and to, to build it up. God, I thank you so much for these people that have been very faithful to you and your kingdom and who want to be able to be faithful to you and your kingdom here at Christian Church, I would pray that you would uh, guide them in the ways that they need to go, uh, by way of service, by way of study, by way of groups, uh, by way of giving, and uh, that uh, we would all be... Um, stronger because these people are stepping up and and saying that they want to be a member of this congregation. God, may we as a congregation be warm and welcoming to them as we embrace them and bring them into our fellowship, into our family. Uh, May we be uh, good stewards of those that you have brought to us. I pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. And now let's welcome our people in. All right, you may have a seat. I had given uh, Marilyn Linscheid uh, some some pieces of paper uh, that if you have stood up, you need to see Marilyn right there. And then uh, we would need those. I don't need those, but uh, Jeannie needs those um, just to, to keep up on who are members and who are not. All right, I think that's it. We've, like I said, we got a lot of stuff going on today. A lot of movement. Now I don't know if you've ever thought about movement but uh, movement uh, there there needs to be some kind of direction for movement otherwise you're you're like the ki- you guys have a couple kids right um so the pandis have a couple kids and uh, they are uh, spirited children right have have you ever had your children uh, you you can tell that they're tired because they don't want to stop. They just keep going and going and going. They're like in perpetual motion because they know that if they stop, they will fall asleep. Does that ever happen? No, nah, not at all. If you, if you raise children, you know that that's what happens. And so sometimes movement is just so that you don't die, so that you just don't run out of gas and, and, and crash. That's not the kind of movement we're talking about, nor, nor are we talking about the movement that is just, you, you know, you're revving your engine and, and you're going. Uh, a couple months, uh, about a month ago, I was uh, over at my father-in-law's house shoveling his uh, drive, and um, it, it was pretty deep snow over there. And as I was trying to shovel his drive, i had forgotten that I'd put uh, the uh, van in, uh, in a park, like i had put on the, the brake, the emergency brake. And so I was done and I was trying to get out of that driveway and it, I was just spinning my wheels. I mean, there, there was motion, but I wasn't going anywhere. Now, th- those two opposites, uh, the, uh, of the, of the, the spectrum, those are, th- Two things that I would not want to be a part of as as a part of a church. I don't want to just be going and going and going just so that we don't die and, and not really have any purpose to where we're going. And I don't want to be sitting here spinning wheels thinking that we're trying to go someplace, but we're not making any headway. It's all about dynamics. Now, dynamics we talked about when we were going through the book of Acts. Uh, that uh, there is this thing called dunamos in the Greek, uh, as the the book of Acts was written in in Greek. And and, uh, Luke, as he was writing the the book of Acts, he was talking about the power, the dunamos. That's where we get our word dynamite or dynamics. There's power to that. But dynamics is not just saying power, but there's a power that actually means something, that's actually moving someplace, that, that is actually enhancing what's going on. I have been, for the last couple months, uh, uh, doing a music direction for a, a theater group in Bend. Uh, they're getting ready to open up with The Wizard of Oz, and I've gotten to be the vocal director. Now, The Wizard of Oz, you guys all know, the, the uh, probably all know the, the, the music to it. Ding dong, the witch is dead, witch, oh witch. By the way, when you're six years old and you're singing that song, you don't look at your mom and point to her and say, that old witch. I can tell you that that's not a good thing to say. But you know the songs? And those songs should have dynamics. They should be movement. There should be something that is exciting about those songs. But when those kids just sing it flat with no dynamics, it really means nothing. And so I'm having to teach them that you got to get louder some places, and you got to get softer some places, and you got to have some excitement building up. That's what dynamics is. And I want you to think today about the dynamics of a church. That the movements of a church that's not just spinning wheels and not just going into perpetual motion, but that there is some kind of movement and some kind of purpose to our movement. But because the, the one of the worst things that you can say about a church is that we just continue to do everything that we've always done without any kind of result. We sing just as I am, just as I am, but God forbid that we have services where people come in just as they are and they leave just as they are and have not been motivated to change or to become more like Jesus. That's really what we're supposed to be all about, is together as a family being more and more like Jesus and fulfilling more and more of God's purpose. But in order to do so, there are three dynamics that I would like to encourage us today, and hopefully I get through this pretty quickly because we've got some other exciting things going on before we have our annual meeting. But the, the three dynamics, first of all, we need to move the pastor over. We need to move the pastor over. Now, when I went to Bible College, San Jose Bible College, now William Jessup University in Rockland, California, when I went there, I learned how to do... I learned how to do ministry. I I wanted to learn how to do ministry, and so I went to Bible college. I learned how to do ministry, and then I got a job, and then I got another job, and I was doing ministry. And it was in that second ministry uh, in Napa, California, at the First Christian Church of Napa, California, that after about a year and a half of doing ministry, our senior pastor, a guy named Ron Carter, a, a beautiful man who's since gone on to be with the Lord, but he called us all together, the pastoral team, and says, you need to stop doing and we go, what, what, what do you mean? And then he turned to Ephesians chapter 4. So I grab your Bibles, and, and I would like for you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. And he showed us this particular verse. And then we'll look at it in context here, by the way. But if you look at verses 12 and, and actually a few verses, a few words before verse 12, it's somehow Jesus gave some to be pastors to prepare, it says in verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. And and, and Pastor Carter told us, basically, listen, you cannot do anymore. Our job as pastors is to equip other people to do, to to, to take the congregation and allow them to, to be prepared to do the works of service. Moving the pastor over is 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 kind of a different concept to many, many churches, because in many, many churches, the everything starts and ends with the pastor. That's not biblical, folks. That is not biblical. That's not God's design at all. Well, let's look at this entire passage, starting in verse 11. It was he, talking about Jesus, who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers— Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, and from him the whole body, joined and held together by every sporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, as I read that, you should have heard the words like each and every and all. You know, this really describes the condition of our church today, that we are being buffeted, that we are being opposed in this world by craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. They want to get rid of the church. They want to get rid of Christianity. They want to deconstruct faith so that they don't have to follow what the Bible says anymore. And so it is so important for the church to be able to stand against that. But the way that we're standing against that is not to have one guy do it all. It's for that one guy to move over so that everybody else can fill in and do what God has asked them to do. Two things need to happen according to this. First of all, the pastor must move from performing to preparing. Okay? We gotta move away from performing to preparing. You you know, there's every church, they'll have a job description for their pastor. But who gets to, who gets to say what the the job description is? Well, obviously, it's the church, right? The elders. They get to, or it's the pulpit committee. They get to say the the job description. That's not what, that's not what uh, Paul is saying here in the book of Ephesians at all. What what he's saying is it's Jesus who gets to put the the job description together for uh, the pastor. And so when you are evaluating the job of the pastor and how he is doing, too often we miss it because too often we say we're evaluating the performance of the pastor because uh, how many how many souls were saved this last year okay or or how many how many people are coming to church how many people are in the pews or uh, how many times did the pastor go out and visit people uh, in in the hospital or at home the shut in and the sick and, and how is he doing with his sermons? Are they at least 80% entertaining, you know? Or, or are they boring as all get out and people are just leaving the church because they, they don't like what he's saying? Many, many churches, that's how they evaluate their pastor. But if the, the job description is not to perform, but to prepare, then what should we be looking at with the pastors? Well, are the people being engaged in sharing their faith on a regular basis outside of these walls? Are the people reaching out to bring family and friends into the fellowship of this church? Are the people taking time out to reach out to those that they have not seen for a few weeks here in, in church? Uh, are the people taking the message that they hear on Sunday and actually putting those biblical concepts into practice in their life? You see, evaluation should not be, did the pastor perform, but did the pastor actually prepare you? And if I'm not preparing you, if Pastor Scott is not preparing you, if Pastor Ethan is not preparing the youth of our congregation, then we're not doing our job that Jesus told us to do. So we must move from being performers into being preparers. That's really the the biblical concept. But then that means, number two, that you guys, the congregation, the, the believers must move from being consumers... Just taking it all in and and evaluating, and I like this, and I didn't like this, and he said that, and that's not a good thing, and I do like that. From being consumers to being contributors, to actually being involved, getting involved, not just on a Sunday morning But getting involved in the lives of other people, uh, reaching out in service, um, serving here at the church, serving at your homes, serving in our communities, um, kind of striking arms with one another, saying that we are the church here. And I will use my gifts and I will serve and I will, I will, uh, I will connect in a life group. Oh, but Trey, that's so much more work. Yes. It is, but that's the important work, the investment work. You see, why are, why are you given gifts by the Holy Spirit if you are not expected to use those gifts? I mean, that would be just dumb to be given a gift and you just uh, set it aside on your shelf and say, I'm not using that gift. I, I don't know what that gift is for. I don't know how to use that gift because it doesn't fit into the context of my life. But if you begin to look at the context of the life together, you'll begin to say, oh, that's why God gave me this gift, so that I can encourage and build up other people. Um, Which then brings us to the second dynamic, and that second dynamic is to move people up. A a church that is dynamic is moving the pastor over and moving the people up. You you know, you watch football, and I, I was wearing my mask today. Just so you know. No, 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 no. You all, all, even if you guys are all Seattle fans, you should be against the Niners, okay? Sorry. And I said I would never get political up here. You know, you watch a football team, and you see 22 guys on the field, and they get exhausted, Especially when you have to go up against Bebo Samuel, you know. You get exhausted because they're just constantly coming at you. I've heard it said that the church is going to always resemble a championship football game where 22 exhausted players are on the field in desperate need of rest, being watched by thousands of overweight spectators in desperate need of exercise. In in most churches that I have encountered, there has always been a twenty-eighty problem. 20% 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That kind of system is inherently built into a church hierarchy when you do have the the, the pastor not moving over, but staying uh, front and center. But it's also inherent in churches that buy into the idea that there's some kind of separation between those who are super spiritual who get to be up on the, 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 the stage or uh, who get to be uh, teaching in front of people. And, and so there's a, a, you know, a, a separation between them and those who just come in and, and warm a seat for uh, 45 minutes to an hour as they do their religious duty that week. Now, the Bible does say that there is a distinction of roles, yes, but it's not based on levels of spirituality as much as it's based on your giftedness. In other words, we don't have Christians who just work behind the scenes uh, down here on the bottom level and those who get to be up on stage, that they get to be somehow on a higher rung on the spiritual ladder. That kind of system does not reflect the value that God has for each and every one of you. But we fall into that system far too long, far too often, to the detriment of the church, where we are not as strong and healthy as we could be. Uh, let's now go to First Peter. Uh, I, I like the fact that you know i, I was listening to uh, I was listening to Larry, and he was bringing up First Peter. And I was thinking, "Uh oh!" But I'm in Chapter Four, so let's go to First Peter, Chapter Four, and, and just listen to these verses as Peter talks about moving people up. He says, "The end of all things is near." Now, if that was true two thousand years ago, guess what? It's really true today. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, and each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Peter's clear. For a church to be involved in the right dynamics, they've got some responsibilities. You have a responsibility. First of all, to pray. He says right there, to pray. To pray in all things, right? Yes, you have a leadership here that will make decisions, but have you ever wondered what your responsibility to those decisions are? They cannot operate on their own power. They shouldn't be operating on their own power. They should know that their people, the congregation that God has brought together here, they you should be praying. You should be praying for the leadership and for the decisions they make. Uh, you, You are to be praying for each other. You are to be praying for the mission work that the church is financially supporting. You are to be praying that this congregation stays true to the vision and the mission that God has called us to. Yes, we make decisions as leaders, but if prayer is not behind that decision-making, I can guarantee you that we will be spinning wheels or going in perpetual motion and not accomplishing anything that God would like us to accomplish. You have a responsibility to pray. To pray for this congregation, for the ministries, for the pastors, for the eldership, for the deacons and the deaconesses. Pray for the unity of our body. Pray for God's will to be done. Pray that we have an influence in our culture, in our community, in our world. We need to be praying. We need to also be loving, to deeply love one another. You know, the early church thrived. Not merely because the, 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 the sermons were so eloquent, although God did infuse the, the, the people who were preaching with power. But it was, they, they thrived because the people loved each other in very practical ways. Uh, those who were seeking help and connection saw what was happening in the life of the church, how people were taking care of each other, and they were loving each other no matter what background they had. Because you had Jews and Gentiles, you had slaves and slave owners, you had the highly educated and those less so, and that was the culture that, that, uh, that the early church thrived in. And that became very, very appealing, very inviting to outsiders, because more than any other place in that culture, the the church was demonstrating a very deep love, a very self-sacrificing love for each other, and that drew people in. Then he says that we need to practice hospitality. Now, that doesn't just mean opening your your doors. In fact, the way that he was talking about it, it was actually... um, as people were traveling through as missionaries were coming through as as uh, traveling uh, pastors were coming through uh, that, that that they would open up their homes for those people uh, but it also involves you know opening up your life to each other it's it's not just opening up your homes because some people say i i don't really like people in my home that's fine you can still practice hospitality without inviting somebody to your home you you actually invite somebody into your life uh, to open up there's a difference between a being a friendly church and being a welcoming church. We, we learned this from Pastor Andy a, about four years ago. Where he says, listen, you can be very, very friendly as people come in and say hi. But welcoming it actually takes the next step by saying, and would you like to be a part of such and such program that's going on? Or my f- home fellowship? Or can I take you out to eat? It's much more than just saying hi and having a, a, a friendly face. But to be able to actually open up your life and let people come in. That's what it means to be hospitable. I talked about Pastor Ron. He was a very wise man, not just in the fact that he wanted us to be able to bring other people along as we moved over. He says, listen, with hospitality, it doesn't matter what you're doing in the office. If somebody comes in, it's always people over programs. Even if you're writing your sermon and somebody comes in and they need to, to have somebody listen to them. We learned, I learned early that you put things away. You, you, you shut your laptop as they come in and that you listen because that's the kind of hospitality that that uh, we as pastors are, are to uh, be uh, demonstrating and, and modeling. See, anytime you've got an opportunity to focus in on somebody else's needs and, and you're able to help at least partially fill those needs with some kind of resource from your life, whether it's your home or your car or your time or your attention or your wallet— Anytime you can do that, that will build up the community of Christ. Because people will understand that in God's economy, they have value. And you're demonstrating that value by allowing them access into your life. Finally, uh, for moving the people up uh, there in First Peter, he, he talks about how we are to use our gifts to reflect God's glory. The way that we use those gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit will reflect God's gl- glory if we are operating under his strength. And his direction. He gets the glory when we are operating not because, oh, I'm so good at this, but because he has allowed me to to work in this area. He has gifted me in this area. He gets the glory because what is accomplished is accomplished under his strength. The way that Peter says it here is it's, it's the God's grace that he has given to us. And each one, as God has given us grace, we should be operating to, to that certain extent that God has given us his, his strength, his grace. By the way, this is incredibly important to understand as we, the members of Powell Butte, will meet in just a short time to consider the, the leadership candidates of Powell Butte. Men and women who are on that ballot uh, uh, being affirmed for the office of elder or uh, men and women who are uh, being affirmed for the office of deacon and deaconess, uh, that they have demonstrated giftedness through God's strength. Not that they are such stellar people. Oh, wow. We want them to be our leaders. But these are the people who have demonstrated a heart to say, you know what? I want to reflect God's glory because I'm only doing this in God's strength. Which leads us to the third dynamic. And real quick, it's just we better be a church that moves with God's spirit. And only with God's spirit. Because PBCC is not my church. It's not your church. It's God's church. And as such, we must learn to listen to the Spirit of God, to, to listen to the movement of God's Spirit, and to let him direct us and empower us more and more. One of the first, if not the first places in Scripture that Paul talks about the Holy Spirit is in First Corinthians. So now let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2 real quick here. He's talking about God's Spirit, and he's bringing up the Spirit because there there were so many problems happening in the Corinthian church as people were trying to do things in their own strength, following this guy, following this guy, following this human teaching. And Paul is saying, listen, it needs to be about God's Spirit. It needs to be about where he is leading. Why? Because when we allow God to lead us, number one, God will release his power. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. When the leading of the Lord is there, then, we, then God will release his power. It's not about eloquence or education or abundance of talent. The power of God is found in people who let God's spirit freely work and shape and use them. There was a story about a lady. Uh, how many of you have heard of the great preacher Charles Spurgeon? Okay, good, 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 good. There's a story about a lady who uh, brought her friend to, to listen to Charles Spurgeon. And afterwards, she was all excited. What what did you think about Charles Spurgeon? And the friend said, you know what? I didn't even listen to really what Charles Spurgeon was saying. Who's Charles Spurgeon? I was listening to God. And God moved that lady to give her life to him because of the gospel message. Now, you don't have to be a Charles Spurgeon. In that instance, even Charles Spurgeon didn't have to be Charles Spurgeon. I, I love it when people come up to me and say, Trey, when you said this, it really touched me. And I look through my notes and say, I never said that. I didn't say that. But God did, and God's power led you to a, to a point of your life where there was conviction and there was insight and there was an excitement because he was speaking to you. He was releasing his, his power. Not only that, but when the Spirit moves, God will reveal his wisdom. Look at verses 6 and following. We do speak mes- a message of wisdom among the mature. Not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. "'a wisdom that has been hidden "'and that God destined for our glory before time began. "'None of the rulers of this age understood it, "'for if they had, "'they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. "'However, as it is written, "'no eye has seen, no ear has heard, "'no mind has conceived what God has prepared "'for those who love him. "'But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit, "'and the Spirit searches all things, "'even the deep things of God.' For who, knows among men, uh, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Folks, there is a way to run church that is based solely on man's wisdom, and that is wrong. If we wanted to be a spiritual church, then it's not about what we can figure out about the budget. It's about God. What are you? What is in your wisdom? Where do you want us to go? How would you have us use the resources of this congregation to best bring about your will? Now, again, the church is not a one man show. Uh, we need to rely not on the wisdom of man, but we need to rely on the wisdom of God. Thirdly, then, we need to know that God's Spirit, when it moves in and through us, that He will direct His will through His work. Uh, jump to 1 Corinthians 3 real quick. It says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, well, I follow Paul, and another says, well, I follow Apollos, aren't you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Grow. God is going to direct his will through his work if we are allowing his spirit to move in us. The church is not a one-man show. It is a God, one God show. And each and every one of us is a servant. Some are going to serve uh, more publicly. Some uh, will be much more in the background. God rewards us for our faithfulness, not necessarily our following. In order for God's church to function properly, we all must do our part, which comes down to the song that, that Monty had us sing um, or, or sang while we were taking communion. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. You know, when when you are in this position, we talked about worship being in this position. What what does this position mean to, to the the French soldiers? I give up. I surrender. It's not about me and my will and my wisdom and my ways. God, if I can just surrender to you, then you will do your work through your people. It's about surrender. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the people asked Peter and the other apostles, what do we do? They realized that they were not moving with the Spirit of God. They, they wanted to be made right with God. But they didn't know how to do that, so they said, what do we do? And Peter basically responds with the idea of surrender. He said, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those are four amazing things about surrender. He talks about repentance, which means changing the allegiance of your life, saying, I now pledge allegiance to the kingdom of God. I'm changing who is boss of my life. It is no longer I who are boss, but now it's God. Realizing that you cannot do this on your own. Number two, they they talked about forgiveness. Receiving this gift of having a right relationship with God, no matter what you have brought into this relationship, no matter what kind of sin is in your life, there can be a, a right relationship because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. So there's repentance and there's forgiveness. Then there's this gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's God's power alive in you. Chipping away at that old person. All of the the rough edges that don't need to be there. Teaching you what is true. Directing your life for his glory. And then producing the the fruit of the spirit in your life. The love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the goodness and the kindness. And the faithfulness and the gentleness and the self-control. And then finally, there is this idea about being baptized. And what is that all about? Well, that's a simple act of obedience. If he's going to be your boss, if he's going to be your Lord, then one of the very first things that he asks anyone to do that makes him Lord is to obey through the waters of baptism. That's demonstrating a new allegiance to the kingdom of God. Water that surrounds your new birth like water surrounded your physical birth. It demonstrates the washing away of the filth of your life, not through your own power, but through God's power. And it identifies you with who Jesus is in his death and burial and then resurrection. See, God is saying it's not just about a belief, a mental assent in faith. It's actually about the kind of faith that the Bible talks about, that there is obedience through faith, that you're putting your full weight on what the Bible says, and if he is your Lord, then you're going to obey. Now, for people who say, I'm not getting baptized, I'm going, well, then you're going to have a really hard time obeying anything else that God asks you to do. It's part of the process. Yes, you are saved by your faith in in Jesus Christ, but immediately, because when you look through the book of Acts, there is not one unbaptized believer in the book of Acts. As soon as they come to faith, they are baptized, because it's about obedience. It's about uh, seeking to, to follow the teachings of Jesus, and when you do that, you can bet that God shows up moving through his Holy Spirit. All right, a lot of different things are going on. Right now, I'd invite the worship team to come on up. And uh, I want you to understand the importance of the dynamics of the church. I hope that you don't want to be a part of a church that's just spinning their wheels. Okay? Okay? Because that's not what we want to do. That's not what we want to be. Today, we're going to do a few things that will help us remember what it's all about. Today, we're going to participate in the vision of the church by having our members vote to affirm the the leadership's decisions regarding the, the leadership of the church and the allocation of the resources through the budget. Today, we're also going to be essentially recognizing those in our church who have giftings and callings to lead this congregation as deaconesses and deacons and elders as they oversee the practices and the teachings of this church. This is going to be a way of connecting yourself with accountability and partnership with a group of believers who are not content to just sit back and be spectators. And that's, you know, when we welcomed our new members, that's what they were hoping to to be able to to share with us. We're going to have, we have the baptistry filled today. We'll be ready to baptize anybody who would like to profess obedience to the Lord through their faith in death and resurrection. And we've got stuff to put on. Don't say, well, I don't have anything to put on. We've got things for you to put on, and we will baptize you. Okay? If you're ready to to be obedient, we will baptize you right now, as soon as the end of this service. And you're going, man, Trey, it's getting late. I don't care. If there's new life, amen." amen. You don't rush the work of the Spirit, by the way. You don't rush the work of the Spirit. We're going to, and we've welcomed new members who are committed to the dynamics of this church by way of connecting and growing and serving and going. And right now, we're going to be recognizing, before you guys do anything, so just be patient up here. We're going to be recognizing and ordaining two of our pastors who are professing God's call on their lives to serve in a very special capacity of pastor for this congregation. Now, I have been ordained a long, long, long time ago, but we have two other uh, pastors who we felt it was very important for us to go through the process of what it means to have a calling uh, from God on your life into full-time ministry. So I'd invite uh, Pastor Ethan and Pastor Scott to come on up here, and for our elders to come on up as well. As they do, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 13, just three verses. I love the book of Acts because it really shows us what the early church felt was really important in, in the life of a of a congregation, in the life of a believer. It says in Acts chapter 13, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas... And Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. I would like to uh, introduce you, if you do not know these. Where are they? These these, right these two gentlemen right up here. Come on up. Come on up. Uh Ethan Wad is our uh pastor to our next generation, uh not just our youth ministries, but uh, our uh well ministry which is in uh, the uh, the uh, late teens twenties. Um early 30s, things like that. Um, uh, Pastor Ethan came to us uh, from the Seattle area, um, and uh, he is, um, has been around for about five years, and we have been able to get to know his heart for ministry. Uh, there has been tough times where he could have easily walked away, and yet he has said, demonstrated that there is a call on his life. And then Scott Buchanan. Uh, Scott has actually been a, a member of our church for the uh, last five years, has been an attender for the last eight years, and, and uh, he has, uh, in various ways, uh, lent his life to the congregation and, and uh, has been uh, a, a part of this community for a long, long time, and uh, he is the, the newest one on board, um, just coming in full-time in December uh, to be a part of wh- what we're doing here. So that's who this is, uh, Ethan and Scott, and uh, Larry Andrews. Um, is going to then uh, speak for our elders about the recommendation that we have and then we're going to listen to a testimony from both Ethan and and Scott and then we're going to give a charge from the the word of God to them uh, and then we will lay hands on them like they did there in the uh, the church in Antioch for Barnabas and Saul to to set them apart and then we will pray and then we will be done with this uh this part so um Larry go ahead
1: Larry, go ahead. I'm right behind. Sneaky <laughs> man. We are not organized right now. <laughs> hey, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, and first of all, let, let me just say this. I don't know how many of you have seen or been involved with or witnessed an ordination before, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And let me explain why. Okay. Before an ordination ever happens. The Holy Spirit has to put a calling on that person's heart that brings them into ministry or to pastoring or to shepherding. And that individual has to count the cost of answering yes and still respond with a yes. Once that calling has been made known and responded to the Holy Spirit with yes, sir, right? (coughs) then they bring it before the elders and this isn't a majority vote this is the holy spirit has to move within the heart of each elder that says yes this is something that we want to see happen not for us but for his church so it is a big deal and this is not a calling so much as by the church but by the holy spirit that these men would serve you, God, all of his children. Anyway, just suffice to say, it's a big deal, and uh, we're just absolutely delighted, humbled, honored to see Pastor Scott and Pastor Ethan here for their ordination today.
2: Uh, I was called to ministry very clearly when I was 14, sitting on a dune at the beach on the coast at Camp Wainema. Uh I asked the Lord, "I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm getting old, God. Um, what am I going? What do you want me to do with my life? 2009, yeah. Just got to throw it out there every now and then. Uh, but I was sitting on a dune, and I just remember like." I've been going to camp for a while. I've been working with students. I've been doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I was in that moment of what am I, what's next? What am I going to do next? And throughout the week, I, was, I just had the, the honor of praying with students as they got to accept Jesus, baptizing a couple of kids. And then I just remember, like, sitting on that dune, and he's just like, do that. I'm like, oh, okay, fair enough. And from that moment forward, I actively tried everything I possibly could to not do that. <laughs> I kept helping out of church. I, I, you know, I, was, I was strong in my faith. Um, but when it came time to pursuing the next step, it was, well, I guess I'll go to this school to study this. And then I can kind of work ministry in there. And then I would do that, and it didn't work out. And then I came home, and I'd be like, well, I'm going to do this so I can do ministry in this way. And God would be like, No. And through a, a series of circumstances and, and the loss of somebody very dear to me who, who really pushed me into ministry, um, you know, I, I quit everything. I quit my job. I, I stopped doing what I was doing, and I just said, okay, I'm going to be a part of this church. And this is when I was at Calvary Chapel, North Bend, now Calvary, Mount Sai. And I quit everything. I quit my job and had some money saved up, and that's what helped me sustain a year uh, a year and a half of volunteering leading a ministry and at the end of that it was alright God, time to apply for school and God was like oh why don't you apply for jobs and I applied for a job in Central Oregon and I did not get it and so I kept working and eventually uh, through a crazy set of circumstances I kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago but uh, through circumstances and through his sovereignty and providence he He led me to Powerview Christian Church and I've been here for Five years and thirty days. It's always easy to remember January first, but there was an obvious call in my heart, and despite trying to, to run from it, my love for the Lord always kept bringing me back. And there's just so many people to thank. I wouldn't be here without you know my youth pastor, my my senior pastor back home in Seattle actually I just realized recently I stopped referring to Seattle as home and started calling Pal Butte home nice. just subconsciously it's interesting uh, but the, the men of the eldership the dozens of people that interrogated me in a circle my first interview uh, giving giving me a shot as a untested unproven 21 year old to, to come and, and lead the, the students of this church and The students are everything to me. Um, We've seen a lot of them come through here in my five years, and we'll see a lot more. And every single one of them is a blessing. And uh, the men who stand up here with me, the men who have helped me along the way, the many women who were better than them and have done much more for me, Thank you guys for, for keeping me here. Uh, thank you, Randy Hutchins, for in many ways, in many places, being uh, an anchor and a driving force and helping me stay the course and uh, keeping level head. And... Oh man, thank you. Um, my, yeah, obviously my wife and my daughter, I didn't want to cry anymore, that's why I was holding off. Man, uh, I was called while sitting on the sand and now I live amongst it
0: <laughs>
2: and I could not be more overjoyed thank you thank you Powell B. Christian Church thank you for taking a risk on me and thank you for sticking with me thank
3: um. I think he said it was 2009 when he was sitting on a beach when he was 14, and when I was in 14, and we'll just call it the 1970 something's anyway. But. <laughs> anyway, but a couple a couple of years later, actually, when I was a junior in high school, I was um, I'd been going to a youth group for a couple of years in Bend, and and then, and I sat in church at what was First Baptist Church in downtown Bend, and I I, I did something uh, crazy that altered my life for the rest of my life, and that is I devoted. The rest of my life to the Lord, and uh, when was I called into ministry? It was. I feel it was that moment. Um, even though uh, I have been given the title of, of, of youth pastor before, and now now fully the title of associate pastor, um, I was never I was never paid until until I came here for for doing my passion. I always said my profession paid for my passion, and and what was my passion? From the moment I, 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 I came to know the Lord, my passion was serving him by serving other people. And that's what, and that's what fulfilled me. And that's what gave me purpose. And uh, so from the moment I did accept the Lord as my, as my Savior in, in that one day in, in First Baptist and Bend, uh, from that moment on, it's, it's been quite an adventure. And from serving in youth ministries uh, down in, in Texas to Washington State to here through the Air Force, uh, gaining skills along the way, and then turning around and, and using those skills to serve our Lord uh, through whatever profession i I had undergone, that was my purpose and my passion in life and uh, and I just feel like uh, as even as a teacher at Kirk county uh, middle school uh, and I've, there are some people in this room right now who sat in my classroom or who who I ran with on the cross country team uh, back there greg and and, uh, and Jen Knight, and people who know that that my passion has always been... Not my profession, but my passion has always been number one. Either in the classroom or on the cross-country team. But it's just connecting with people and serving God by serving them. And um, I, I am uh, thoroughly humbled uh, by being given a title of of pastor and being called to serve as, as one of your pastors here. Uh, because I'm not a perfect guy. And uh, I still... Rely daily on my relationship with the Lord and his forgiveness of my sin every day And uh, what I ask is these men on the stage right now who are are called the elders of the church And I ask you as the members of this church To hold me accountable every moment every day to serve you and to be be, um, honored to serve you I I ask and that's that's my role I see and I've seen that God has prepared me through my entire life to be here and to be here now, uh, to do the things that that, that uh, I'm going to be, He's going to lead me to do for you, and that is my prayer every day. So, when when was I called to ministry? I feel like it happened when I when I was saved, and uh, and I'm not done yet. So,
0: Amen. 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 From. Uh, <clears throat> From the book of Second Timothy, chapter four, there is a wonderful charge um, that Paul gave to Timothy uh, for uh, bringing people into ministry. And so, Ethan and Scott, uh, these words uh, come from the Lord uh, through the book of Second Timothy to you. It says, "In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing in His kingdom, I give you this charge: preach the word." Keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Right now, what uh, I'd like to do is to have uh, Scott and, and Ethan uh, kneel down, and uh, uh, the elders that are present here today, they're going to be laying uh, hands on them as a demonstration of God's uh, authority coming through the leadership of the church, and in his power, his spirit to come along these men as a, a, an affirmation of what God is doing. There's nothing magical about laying on of hands, nothing magical about these men at all, but uh, as they are our leaders, we are seeing this as the representation of god's spirit through them onto these men Uh, in as you are listening to the prayers that will uh, be lifted up for ethan and for uh uh, for scott that you would reach out your hand as well as as a representation of your spirit to say yes we affirm what's going on and we're going to have a couple of prayers and then we are uh, finished uh, today so uh, let's
1: go ahead father we uh we come before you with a great deal of delight Father uh, (laughs) we thank you for the way that you've had your hand on uh, Scott and Ethan uh, really began before the creation of this world but Father the way that you've persevered and the wisdom that you have given them to surrender to your love and to your grace Father, we thank you so much for this calling that you have given them and their wisdom to accept. For the way the Holy Spirit moves both in and through them. Father, we just pray that as uh, you work through them every day, whether people actually see them or not, that they get to see the light of our savior and our holy spirit lord burning within them we're humbled that we get to serve you at all in any large or small way but father we thank you we thank you for this gift of ordination father we thank you that it's that we're just acknowledging before you and all of these witnesses father that they are your pastors
4: Father God, it it is just so much fun to watch you work. It's also very humbling. Father, I just thank you that uh, Ethan didn't argue with you too long and heard your call, Father. For both these gentlemen, it's not always going to be easy. probably hasn't been up to this point. Father, I would just ask that you continue to fill fill them with your Holy Spirit so that they can work in a world that's dark and the only way that they can see that light is from you, Father, and that that's what they're here for. Just ask, Father, that you bless both of these. We're so, so thankful as a church to have two people like Scott and Ethan to lead us in your light. Father, we just pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. 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 All right. May
0: I present to you for the very first time Pastors Scott and Ethan.